You know who people say I look like? It's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I get it all the time. Hello, HYP podcast listeners. This is Derek Weitzel, Executive Director of the Harrisburg Young Professionals, and you are going to get to listen in on our new event series, How It's Built in the Berg, stories from Harrisburg area entrepreneurs and the companies that they have built here. This month for our series, we got to hear from Jason Webb, an entrepreneur that went to a local college but turned down a desk job to pursue a passion in soccer and ended up co-founding Soccer Shots, which is a franchise company teaching soccer to two to eight year olds. If you're like me and you have a child under the age of four, you most likely have heard of soccer shots. You can find them in daycares, schools, and other places you can find children across the country. Larry Binda, editor of the Berg Magazine, takes the interview from here. Thank you very much, Derek. I'm Larry Binda, the editor-in-chief of The Berg, and um, with me is, is Jason Webb, the founder CEO of Soccer Shots. Um, now, what, what I, one of the things that I enjoy about hosting this series is myself, be, being an entrepreneur myself, learning about other entrepreneurs, how they've done it, how they've begun. And um, before we started, uh, before we started this series, I really didn't know anything about soccer shots, and I learned a lot from reading online and talking to Jason. And they have a unique model. Uh, you don't have to, if you start a business, you don't necessarily have to do the traditional route of, you know, uh, just you know, incorporating, opening a shop, or whatever. There are many different ways to become an entrepreneur, and so that's one of the m- more interesting ways uh, that. One of the more interesting things that I found about soccer shots, and that I want to learn tonight from Jason. So, so let's just start uh, with the first question, which is, um, if you could lay the foundation of how this whole thing started, give us your origin story uh, and how you, you know, started the whole thing up, because often that's the most difficult part. <clears throat> sure, happy to do that. Um, Larry mentioned we're a franchising company. I do think that's very interesting, especially in central Pennsylvania, where there aren't too many franchising or franchisors or franchising companies. Some notable ones would include Auntie Anne's, hand-rolled soft pretzels from Lancaster. There's a cleaning concept in Camp Hill called Omex. And if you've been paying attention to Duck Donuts, they're a franchise system, I think, on the West Shore. Um, But there's some places like Atlanta, Washington, D.C. that are kind of known for having franchising companies develop from. And so there's a lot of employees in those cities who have experienced working in franchise systems. Central Pennsylvania, not so much the case. There aren't many franchising systems. And so as we've grown and sought um, to kind of add folks to our team with franchising experience, we've had to sometimes look outside of central Pennsylvania. But that wasn't your question. That was not my question. That was like question number five or something. You, just, off the list. you just jumped right, right through there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, let's start just from the beginning. What inspired you to start this? You know, why soccer? Why kids? Yeah. You know, yeah. Give us that story. Yeah. And I mentioned franchising because there's really two business concepts within our business. So there is the original concept, which, of course, is soccer shots, is introducing kids to the game of soccer. And then from that, we franchise that concept. So let me go back. And, and start from the very beginning. It was the 
And I wish I had, could tell you there was a grand vision, there was a master plan, or that, you know, what Soccer Shots is today was even, you know, part of our imagination. It was not. Um, I have to give credit to Jeremy Sorzano, the co-founder of Soccer Shots, who truly was the founder of Soccer Shots. He and I were teammates together at Messiah College nearby, played soccer there. Um, both ended up in Charlotte, North Carolina after college playing <clears throat> soccer professionally. I should have put that in quotes because as I've gotten older, I've had to become more and more honest with myself about that word professional soccer. <laughs> While true, because we were paid, we were paid so little that the word semi-professional is more than enough to explain what we were doing. But there was actually a blessing in disguise um, in this stage of life, playing soccer after college, trying to kind of keep playing, live the dream, is that we had to do other things to make ends meet and to support ourselves. And so this would have been the late 90s. Jeremy and I were both in Charlotte, North Carolina. One of the things that guys on the team would do when not earning their big paychecks from playing was coach soccer. So we would hitch up with travel clubs, coach travel teams. We would find camps to work at, work with kids of all ages. And so, and, and I did this at Messiah too. So playing soccer was almost equal to coaching soccer to little kids. We just had done a lot of it, even as we were, you know, barely 25 years old, we'd done a lot of coaching. And so um, Jeremy has always been a great, great friend and kind of a fascinating personality. And most of my teammates in Charlotte and most I'd say most guys kind of doing that thing are, are looking to work with the, you know, the most experienced travel players, the better teams, the older players. And so you'd get to camp, and of course, you know, the first groups taken were the under-14 girls, the under-14 boys, the, the U-16s, whatever. Jeremy, who was a great player, the captain of our team for nine years, always seemed to have an interest in working with the youngest ones, who actually took more work you had to be more creative to do well with them. Uh, they took more energy and imagination. Um, but Jeremy was like, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, give them to me. I love them. And uh, Jeremy was, he was just really brilliant working with that young age group. And I think what happened was one day at the end of camp, a mom who thought Jeremy was fantastic invited Jeremy to come do a program at her son or daughter's childcare center. Um, just made an invitation. So I think Jeremy threw something together, put it out there to families at that child care center, and lo and behold, 20 kids signed up, and Jeremy realized, oh, wow, there's kids at this child care center nearby that would be interested in having a soccer program run at their school. Didn't have a curriculum, didn't have a plan, just knew he was good with kids, showed up, um, and did his thing, and so... That was really the start of what is today the concept of soccer shots, which is introducing soccer to young children, younger than age five and six even, some as young as two, but three, four, five years old is really our niche. Our original model was taking that program into childcare centers, centers while parents were at work and giving their, the, these kids what's called an enrichment program experience, which had been done for years with other concepts like dance and karate, but no one had done it with soccer, and soccer had an appeal to both boys and girls. There wasn't a lot, there weren't a lot of men coming into childcare centers interested in working with young children, and so um, right away it took off, uh, especially with boys. It was something that they could do at daycare. Uh, one thing led to another. Jeremy had six or eight schools working with him. A couple of years after that, I moved up here to Harrisburg, was playing with the Harrisburg Heat, and, and called Jeremy one day and said, could I 
could I do that here in Harrisburg? And he encouraged me to give it a try. Before I knew it, I had 10 schools that we were running programs at. Jeremy and I did not share ownership. He was running soccer shots in Charlotte independently. I was running soccer shots in Harrisburg independently. We would share ideas, share stories of kids doing silly things. Um, But that was the program. And we ran that for at least five years until the year 2005, which was when we decided to grow our company. We actually decided to come together, start a new company, the franchising company, and begin to grow soccer shots into other cities through franchising. Okay. So, you know, let's, let's start some, somewhere in that 2005 range, especially when you were uh, beginning the franchise model. So what was the, uh, one or two of your biggest challenges at, at that stage, at like the real startup stage? <clears throat> yeah. So we didn't know anything about franchising. I think one of us had an idea that maybe we should franchise this thing that we were doing. And I would say there was a little demand. We had some other teammates and friends who had seen the success or the seeming success of Soccer Shots and thought they'd be interested in starting it in their cities. We didn't think we had anything proprietary. Um, In fact, a couple of those folks who were interested early on, we just said, yeah, do it. Just do it. You know, it's just coaching kids, three, four, and five. And they were like us, so they knew how to coach. They knew that part of it. Um, But we quickly realized that there was more maybe to it that in terms of just some of the branding that maybe would be valuable, even some of the liability of just kind of sending people off doing the same thing we were doing, calling it the same thing. And so we decided maybe we needed to organize this thing, systemize some things, create some a curriculum that everybody would be using. I wouldn't even say the word brand was on our minds, but what has turned into kind of brand this thing as well. Um, and, and so somewhere along the lines, we thought, I guess you would just franchise it. But we didn't know anything about franchising. So, so probably the earliest challenge was thinking we knew how to franchise something, but realizing that we had a lot to learn about franchising. Once we learned some things about franchising, we discovered that there were some costs to franchising something that were not so insignificant for a couple young bucks, even though we had been playing professionally for a few years. And I didn't know Zach, my banker friend, who would have probably given me a little bit of help. Um, and so... You mean, you mean mean capital is important for a young business? I can't believe that. <laughs> well, we, we were ignorant to what capital could do. We, just, we had no connections, and we didn't know what that even meant. And um, again, speaking of kind of blessings, we've, un- until our recent new building, we've never borrowed a dollar to do what we've done. We've always bootstrapped and built a little bit and then grown a little bit and then spent or built a little bit more and grown a little bit more. And so franchising was that first hurdle. We had to hire a franchise attorney who understood franchise law. You're in franchising, you're bound by all kinds of disclosures. Anybody you invite into your business to become a franchisee, there are very strict rules on how they can operate, what they can do, what they can't do. And so all of that was New discovery for us, um, and franchising is a slower model to grow. And so maybe not specific to that year, but those first few years, you're selling franchises, at least we were selling franchises, four, six, eight, maybe 10 a year. Our franchise fee was not very high. Well, it didn't cost a lot of money to get into our system. And a franchise system 
is sustainable through its royalty stream, which means a percentage of the revenue earned by our franchisees came back to us, the franchisor, and that's what funded our company. But those first four to five years, everybody was new. Everybody was getting started. They didn't pay a lot to get into the business, and their businesses were not generating a whole lot of money. And so um, the, the first five years of franchising, in fact, Jeremy and I didn't hire a single employee. We were still such a small organization. We were um, probably even offsetting some expenses to grow the franchising company with our local franchises while we were trying to, you know, boost our system and help everybody grow and have success with their franchises. Okay. So my next question was, in fact, all about franchises. So I guess we can just skip that. Skip it. Um, <laughs> and one thing I'm curious about is when you think about a franchise, obviously you think about restaurants, right? Yeah. Or food businesses. Do you think that many other types of businesses could employ a franchise model and maybe they just don't think about it? Or, or why do you think that that doesn't happen typically? Um, <clears throat> some, some folks here from our organization would know these statistics better than I do. There are a surprisingly high amount of franchises. There are more new franchises now each year, I mean, the Entrepreneur Magazine kind of reports on this. There's there's new concept, more new concepts in 2017 than any year before that, and in 2016 there were more new concepts than in every year before that. And there's some staggering percentage of just our our gross, our our GNP, our, our you know all all incomes earned in the United States through franchises. So you'd be surprised at how big of an industry franchising in it is. And even though we don't have many franchisors in central Pennsylvania, all of us interact with franchises probably on a daily basis. Um, the hotels that we stay in, the foods, restaurants that we eat, cleaning services, gas stations, um, so much of our industry is, is actually our, our franchises. And so maybe your question... Um, maybe I'm actually surprised at what you can franchise and how many odd and ends of things there are that are franchises. And people have, as, as much as I've, you know, I go to the national franchise events and I see franchises doing mosquito service at your house or whatever. And I'm always like, really? You can, you can make a franchise out of mosquito control? Well, I bet they're saying the same thing. Like, you can build a franchise system out of teaching little kids soccer. That's a thing. Um, and so, you know, anything that is is replicatable, um, is not so impossible for somebody, you know, you know, I think it'd be hard to franchise laser eye surgery because it's such a unique skill. You have to be licensed and, you know, but, um, something that can be replicated. And I think that would thrive under local ownership. Not everything necessarily needs to, to have local ownership. I think in our particular model, local ownership is an advantage and, and it also has to have a margin there because there's a built-in expense to pay the franchisor. So not every concept can. I'd actually say I'm surprised at how many concepts have been franchised. How about a community magazine? Let's make it happen. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and after being in this as many years as I have been, <clears throat> I've talked to a number of folks locally who have businesses who would like to franchise. And you know, they're, they're, because there aren't too many franchisors, you know, a good number of folks have reached out to me and said, you know, tell me what you know about franchising. Is my concept franchisable? And like I said, many concepts are. 
Um, I always caution folks, though. Um, you know, there are some challenges that come with franchising. That was my next question. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> uh, what are the challenges to franchising? <laughs> um, yeah, there, it is a unique relationship because in a, in a franchising relationship, a franchisee is not an employee, so you don't have the ex same kind of control, I don't like that word, but extent of control that you might have with an employee. Um, and yet, they're bound by a franchise agreement, which we've written, which some would describe as an eight-lane highway in one direction, so it's definitely a one-sided agreement um, that a franchisee has to agree to, to, to do business with us, but it's, but it's very much written in you know, very strict rules about what you can do, what you can't do, who you're going to buy from, how you're going to buy, what you're going to pay. Everything is written um, in, that, in that regard. And yet a franchisee does sign this thing and, and owns their own business and has independence in that regard. And I think you have to be somewhat of an entrepreneur to take that leap and buy a franchise. And yet part of why you're choosing to start a franchise is because it comes with a network, it comes with a proven system, it comes with the support and infrastructure of a franchisor. And so the, the challenge therein is, is sometimes just kind of the tension over control, over what I, you know, I, but I own this business, but, but you, you know, we own the brand. And so, yeah. So what is your screening system like? And, um, why do you find that people want to franchise soccer shots? Or want yeah. to be a franchise? Yeah, so I, I think there's a common denom denominator amongst folks that want to get into our system. You might think soccer is the common denominator. I would say it's definitely a, a thread that runs through our system, for sure. Um, not everybody in our system had you know, played at a high level, but there probably 10 to 20% in our system did play soccer at a high level, and soccer is a real important part of their life, and they want to be part of the game and want to get into a business that gives them that opportunity. Um, but the, the greatest common denominator is, is likely, in my opinion, um, something surrounding the, the purpose and the mission of what Soccer Shots does, and something about being in a business that has an impact on a community, that has an impact on children's lives. They feel like there's purpose and meaning. They're getting to give back while also growing a business and hopefully being profitable as well. And so, we, you know, we skew relatively young. Um, I don't know the exact average age of a franchise owner in our system. Most, though, are first-time business owners. Like I said before, they're interested in soccer shots because of its reputation, its proven success, because of the resources that come with it, the tools, the, the, the ability to be successful. Um, but they're, they're drawn to our mission and the purpose that that's permeates through what we get to do at Soccer Shots. Okay. Um, does it ever get ugly? Do you ever have to pull a franchise, for instance? It does. It has. <clears throat> it gets ugly. I cannot tell you specifics, but we have had to terminate franchisees in our system. Um, you know, most of the time, though, that's not a real ugly thing. Thankfully, we've not been in any, you know, big dis legal disputes. We've been able to solve things through business solutions. But the, the terminations that are more common in our system would be the result of somebody just underperforming. You know, maybe somebody 
everybody who gets into our business thinks they're going to kill it, right? That, that nobody thinks they're going to just be average in our system. And yet, in every system, there's an average person in that system, and there's a worst person in that system. That Every system has that. Even if the standard is high, and even if everybody's meeting the standards, there's still somebody who's the weakest link. Well, my point is that we've had some folks who have entered our system with you know, grand expectations, and we too have believed they belong in our system and would be a great fit. And sometimes circumstances out of their control or just something in their life has changed, their motivation has changed, or maybe it's just harder than they thought. I don't know all the reasons. Um, they don't perform. And, and then they, you know, they're, they're not performing. They're not meeting minimum performance standards. Um, sometimes they, they need to go get a job, and so all of a sudden they have this business that they've bought that isn't thriving. In fact, it's weakening by the day. And that's when our franchise business consulting group who works with franchisees would get involved and start to kind of walk them down a path. Okay. How many do you have and where are they? Franchises? Mm-hmm. There are 190 franchises across 36 states and Canada. So we're only in North America. We have about five franchises in Canada. The others are in the United States. Okay. Is there a common denominator, do you find, among people who want to become franchisees? I think, as I mentioned, that the, you know, the passion and you know, the interest in our purpose. Um, and can you talk a little bit about that, too, about sure. your social mission? Well, we have our corporate mission is also our social mission, which is to impact children's lives. And I've heard the word to enrich children's lives recently at Soccer Shots. We have this, um, I, I can probably best describe it by telling you a story. And, and this, if, if I was asked what I'm most proud of, it is, it is this aspect of Soccer Shots, which is what we get to do, which is to impact children's lives. And so it, it had to be 10 years ago. This is just one example of many stories. I was actually coaching a class not far from here and on week one, um, a dad walks up with his child. She's a little tiny girl, barely three. She's hiding behind her dad. He's this hunkering, towering man, strolls across the gym, finds me, shakes my hand. And I do what every good soccer shots coach should do. I say hi to the dad, but I be, try to make a connection with this, this little girl. And, she, you know, if I lean to my right, she kind of scoots away. So she's scared of me. This is very new for her. She's not been in a social setting like this. She's never been on a team. She's never had a coach, right? Her safety zone is with dad. Well, it goes fine, right? She finally warms up to me. You know, dad sits down, and we have a normal experience with this child. She's in a group of eight or ten kids. I don't even remember much about her and that first season, except she completed the season with me as her coach. And it was probably two and a half or three years later, I was back out on a field at a different location, and I was just dropping something off for a coach. And after I did that, he was coaching. After I did that, I, I kind of decided to stick around and watch the, the session and watch my coach. I was probably most interested in how's my coach doing? Is this a good experience? And <clears throat> I may or may not have recognized this girl. Turns out it's the same girl that I was just talking about. Um, but a woman kind of saunters over and stands next to me and she points out her daughter and she says, you were her first coach. And I said, okay, I think I remember her. And she's now five years old. She's probably the oldest girl in the group. And 
you know, I, had, I was watching her. She was, she was doing pretty well. She's probably the best player in the, in the group. And mom <clears throat> goes on to tell me that this is like her 12th straight season or something. Basically, ever since that first session with me, she had signed up for soccer shots the following spring, that summer, that fall, the next winter, the next spring, the next summer, the next fall. For three years, she'd not missed a season. She'd had multiple soccer shots coaches. And as mom's describing how much her daughter loves soccer shots and how awesome every coach has been, she develops a tear and she starts to kind of well up and talks about how dad is no longer part of the scene and that this particular, and there's a lot of, I could tell there's a lot of fear in her life around what this means for her and her family and especially her precious little daughter. And she said, soccer shots is the thing that every week her daughter looks forward to most and finds her confidence there and finds life lessons there. And she was just, again, welled up with emotion in gratitude towards our soccer shots coaches. And I, I couldn't be more proud of having opportunity to work with an organization that gets to do that every day. And so I think when people start to understand the why soccer shots, what is our purpose? What is our mission? Yeah, we're a business, we're franchise, we're growing, we're all over the country and it's awesome. But when people kind of peel that layer back and start to learn what we're all about, therein lies the fascination with the concept of soccer shots and therein lies the attraction that I think people want to be a part of. Well, what's the secret sauce here? I mean, how do you structure your program that you think makes it so compelling? Um, I think, you know, for the consumer, if you're, if you're talking about the consumer, I think it's probably three things. I think our coaches are bar none. Um, our curriculum is has been through all kinds of iterations and revisions. We've had early childhood experts align it to the learning standards of each state that we're working in, those two things in combination is, can be, I shouldn't say is, can be like lightning in a bottle. So a good coach can be a good coach um, with or without great curriculum, in my opinion. Good curriculum is great, but if, you know, if, if kind of in the hands of someone who's not comfortable working with kids, it's only what's on the paper. But when, when we can really develop and fine tune the skills of a coach and really help them discover what I just talked about, kind of the purpose behind what we get to do and what it means to have an impact on a child's life in a 30-minute soccer session and make this curriculum come to life, come alive. Um, I think that's, that's what people find to be really special. Okay. So reflecting on what you've done so far, what would you do differently? Yeah, what, I've been thinking about that question. Mm-hmm. I'm typically not one who thinks a lot of, has regrets or thinks a lot about mistakes that we've made, although from mistakes, we've had our greatest learnings. So I I don't know if, uh, honestly, I mean, I don't know if I do anything differently, but some of the things that come to mind, I have questioned the model of franchising. You know, as I mentioned, I think it's um, because we chose to, to grow nationally through franchising, some would say that's what's caused us to grow so fast. I might say that's been a reason why we've grown grown slower than we could have. Um, do I regret it? No. Would I do it differently? I don't. I don't think so. But that's interesting because franchising is not easy, and franchising does take time to really build that momentum. Um, 
you know, we talked a little bit earlier about capital. I mean, because we've bootstrapped and because we've only grown with what we could do, I think we've not brought in talented people as soon as maybe we could have. And so had I known what capital, and, and I still don't know truly what capital could do, but if we had leveraged debt and brought talent into our organization in 2005, uh, could, it, could be a very different picture. Instead, it was me and Jeremy trying to run a franchising company for five years from our houses, and we just only did what we knew how to do. And besides the franchise, choosing the franchise model itself, what else would you say was one of the smartest things you've done? Yeah, this is where I usually say something about my wife, Mandy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't say that jokingly because Mandy has been a huge part of Soccer Shots and its success. And so have Jeremy, my original partner, and so has Justin, who is now our third and equal partner. And so for me, I've never owned a business without a partner. And partnerships, I, I learned this in business school, partnerships can be terribly risky. Um, but you've had a successful partnership with Alex, and I've had successful partnerships and am in a successful partnership. And so, but maybe I tie that to the bigger element of, of bringing in talented people. I, I've learned this about myself, that Soccer Shots is far bigger than me. It's far greater than anything I can make it. And I learned that a while ago. And so Mandy has contributed a ton to Soccer Shots. Jeremy has contributed a ton. Justin was an interesting addition because he, he joined us in 2009 as a third partner. And remember I mentioned Auntie Anne's? Justin worked for nine years at Annie Ann's. He happened to be a teammate of Jeremy's and mine at Messiah back in the day. So we knew Justin and he was like the only one we knew who knew anything about franchising. And so for years, we would go to Justin with our questions about franchising, and he would tell us what Annie Ann's did. 2009, we had the opportunity to invite Justin in to become a third and equal partner, and, and that added franchising experience that we had not had before. And since then, we've added you know, subject matter expertise in marketing, because I don't know anything about growing a national brand, but we've found great people that do. I don't know anything about technology, um, but we've brought in folks that know a lot about technology, and we've brought in some amazing young folks who have helped you know, support our system in amazing ways. And so I think the smartest thing I can say I've done is, is, is gotten out of the way and found really talented folks to plug in to where they could add the most value at Soccer Shots. So when you get an application from somebody who wants to be a franchisee what do you look for? What what, and what don't you look for? Well, you know, are there any red flags? Yeah. So I think we're we're more and more intent on core value fit. And so at Soccer Shots, we've defined our own core values. We have question sets uh, that we include in interviews around core values. Really, before we even talk about competencies and business and experiences, we're trying to un understand people and you know, do they have the grit, the determination? Kind of, are they willing to take ownership of, uh, you know, of the business that they're going to be buying? So core value fit is a big part of, of our criteria for entrance. Um, the qualifications to become a franchisee in our system have be, 
become increasingly higher, I would say, over the years. For example, our franchise fee in 2005 when we started was $5,000. That was the one-time fee you had to pay to get into the system. As of today, it is $34,900. So it's increased by sevenfold. That just, I mean, that, that, it's still a really low-cost franchise in the grand scheme of franchising because there's not significant additional costs. So the startup and entry is reasonable. But that's going to attract somebody a little different. Um, so, you know, we're starting to see a more sophisticated buyer. Uh, we've done some interesting things. For years, Jeremy and I, this sounds crazy, but we sold franchises over the phone. And every now and then we might have Skyped with somebody. And we used to talk to somebody for an hour. You know, I'm not saying it didn't maybe take several conversations or even weeks or months to reach a point of a decision. But we used to say, you know, do you think you can find coaches to, to, that could help you do this? Do you think you could sell this to schools? And do you want to, is this what you want to do? Do you want to, you know, spend your full time doing this? And it was like three boxes. We, they could check those off. We were like, great, well, let's do it. And, and then Jeremy and I would fly, Jeremy from Charlotte, me from Harrisburg, to wherever that franchisee was. So if that was Ryan Heim in Los Angeles, because this happened, we flew to Los Angeles and we spent a day and a half with Ryan Heim in Los Angeles teaching him how to run soccer shots. And then Jeremy and I flew home and we might, we probably didn't see Ryan for years. And that was how we sold franchise. And I think what's crazy about that is that we're in the space of working with young children. And thank God we didn't pick the wrong person or make some real terrible mistakes about who got into our system. And so I compare that to what we're doing today, you know, how to get in. Oh my gosh, it's a little different than that. Um, one of the steps we added a couple of years ago, which has been really incredible, is that anybody before we would ever say yes to them must come to our corporate headquarters right here in Harrisburg and spend a full day with us. Now, this is after multiple phone conversations, multiple, you know, video conferences. They've submitted business plans. We've reviewed their business. This is, you know, they've met financial criteria. This is after everything. We call it a discovery day because there's really nothing that can replace a face-to-face -face interaction, sitting down and having that discussion. And so they get to meet the team and do a number of things. We call it a discovery day. Um, the list is long of, of things we do to help ensure that we make those decisions right. We determined years ago that there's no bigger decision that we make at Soccer Shots than who. Who's the coach? Who's the director? Who's the franchisee? Who's on our corporate team? That who is really big. Yeah. So you just mentioned your headquarters. You just moved your headquarters. We did. Uh, moved into a new building. So tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, um, thanks to M&T Bank and others who did a terrific job helping us make that happen. We, uh, we purchased land about a year ago, started construction about six months ago, and moved out of our, um, we moved out of our Middletown office into a new Middletown office. It's about three times larger, and it has an indoor futsal court, which is amazing. Really fun to have a place to play on site. And yeah, um, it's a beautiful building, but it's, it's about, you know, an environment where folks can do work well or we can attract top-level talent. <clears throat> I think environment matters, and so we're really proud to have been able to invest in, in ourselves and in our team in that way. Okay. Um, can you tell me how many folks you have working for you here? Yeah. Um, 
So the building is shared by the franchising company, which I've been talking about tonight, and the original franchise, which was what started this whole thing, Mandy, uh, leads that team. And so the combined headcount is about 30 full-time folks, and Mandy also employs about 30 to 40 part-time coaches. They do not work from the building most of the time. They're almost always out in the field working with kids. Yeah. Did you feel that over time things sort of built up where suddenly you realize, wow, I've got all these people working for me? I don't think there was a sudden moment. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when I look back and I'm like, that was only five years ago, it does certainly feel sudden and fast and all of that. But no, there, there has never been a moment where I'm like, holy cow, this is out of control. What are we doing? I mean, that's actually every day, but <laughs> no, really, they're, they're, you know, I can point to years that felt like significant years for one reason or another. We made decisions that, you know, seemed to be significant, but um, it has been really rewarding, you know, the, the, to, to be a part of its growth and to work with talented individuals who have been attracted to our organization, who have helped us, and to see people find kind of like their calling in soccer shots. I mean, for me, it's like this is, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. The combination of, of business, which I love, and, you know, being an entrepreneur, and soccer, which, of course, I love. And then I come from a family of educators. My parents were professors. My brothers are both in higher education. They're, everybody's a coach. And so this blend of like teaching, coaching, being in business, soccer, I, I just can't imagine, you know, doing anything else. And, and what's been really fascinating is that I'm not the only one out there who loves those things. And so, you know, Steve Fowler is here. Steve's been a part of our organization and those are Steve's things, you know, and I think Steve has found that Soccer Shots is a place where he can apply his gifts he can live out his dreams, you know, and, and be passionate about what he does and work really hard and be successful. And so that, that's been a real rewarding part as we've grown is to see that this is not just for me, this is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, and franchisees are making a living doing this and providing um, that for, for their families, in their communities. And that little story that I shared about that one little girl is now happening, you know, all over. And I think... Uh, close to 400,000 kids will register for soccer shots this year. And every one of those little kids is somebody's son or daughter. And there's, there's nothing more precious to a parent than their little kid. And, and parents are looking for opportunities like this that are, are investments and enrich their kids' lives. Yeah. So uh, inspire us. So what advice would you give? <laughs> inspire us even more. What would you say to an, an aspiring entrepreneur who is thinking about opening a business? Um, okay. So, I mean, this is the, the one that comes to mind first is cliche, which is like, you know, f- do what you love to do. I, I don't know how to say it any different than that. I mean, you can look at me and say, well, sure, that's easy for you to say because it worked out. I had no idea if this would work out. Um, I can't say that I would be doing this if it didn't work out, but I, I can't see myself, I mean, I studied accounting for four years at college. I studied for the CPA exam. I passed the CPA exam. I worked for barely a year in a public accounting firm, and I knew that was not for me. 
So I, I changed. I got out of that just because I there was I just no offense to anybody who's in accounting. I have a lot of respect for you, but that just wasn't for me. And so I made the bold move. I remember the day I called my dad, who by the way helped me, you know, go to college and set me up for this career in public accounting. And I had a nice job at a nice public accounting firm. And I remember calling him and said, um, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to leave K- KPMG. <laughs> great employer. Great employer. Okay, what are you going to do? I think I'm going to go back to Charlotte and keep playing soccer. Okay, if you know my dad, get a little chuckle out of that. But He was the chairman of the business department at Messiah College where I went. And uh, I had to explain myself to him. He was supportive, you know, because once I explained myself, it made sense to him. But for me, that was a moment of like, take a rest, risk, do what I love. And then, of course, I've started businesses, and that always takes risks. Um, and the second one, this one also would sound cliche, but is like, just, you know, just do it, you know. Um, there's a story that I was reminded of on the way over here. So, so Mandy and I, over the years, have had some additional business pursuits. And one of those has been a little real estate project here in Harrisburg. We had some partners and we were called Green Street Properties. And we were part of the redevelopment project of the old uptown neighborhood. So anybody who's been to Little Amps down on Minnick Street, um, me and Wendell and this guy named Josh were partners in in a development firm that worked on some houses in that neighborhood. (laughs) But the way this partnership started was a moment of you just do it. And I can't take any credit for this. In fact, I will blame, I mean, give credit to my wife, Mandy. Um, The story is this, we were for years thinking, wouldn't it be cool to like own a rental property and, you know, buy it and then rent it and then pay down the mortgage and then someday we'll own this thing, right? It's like everybody in their heads thinks that's smart, um, but how many people really do it? Well, we were like in that zone of, it makes sense. Why wouldn't we do it? Let's do it. Yeah, but how do you do it? How do you get started? How do you get your first one and whatever? So we had a good friend, our neighbor, Wendell, who was kind of already doing this. I said Wendell. I think everybody in Midtown knows Wendell Hoover, big time realtor now. And uh, Wendell was our neighbor, good friend of ours. And so he was telling us about the upcoming auction, which were homes that had been basically discarded by their owners. The tax liens on them were too high. The owners were just dumping them. You could go to these tax auctions and buy properties for, you know, dollars or just a few thousand dollars. And so Mandy and I and Wendell had been talking about this upcoming tax sale and had been studying the listings, and we were even driving around Harrisburg, checking out properties. We may have broken in a back door to see what the property was really like. (laughs) Some of this was going on. We were trying to be as careful as we could because this was a huge deal to buy a property at a tax sale that somebody else had dumped, and clearly these were dumps of houses. Anyway, the date of the auction was set at a time that I had committed to being at a golf outing. So Mandy on behalf of the web couple, represented me at the auction and along with Wendell, our neighbor. And they were going to kind of go, but there was this one house that we were looking at and maybe to buy. So from the golf outing, after the, after the golf outing at dinner, I was very curious to know if we had any luck at the auction, thinking 
I mean, what are the chances? We, I'm sure we didn't buy this thing. So I called Mandy and I said, hey, how did it go? And she said, great. And I said, okay, what's great mean? Did we buy it? She said, no, we didn't buy it. I said, oh, okay. She said, but we bought three other ones. <laughs> three other what? Three other houses. We bought three other houses? She said, yeah, but it's okay because we bought them with Wendell and this guy named Josh. <laughs> so we're in partnership on three houses with Wendell and a stranger? And this is great? So the rest of that story is, is a success story, but the point of that story is that there comes a, like, sometimes you just got to take that leap and just do it, and if it's something that you're passionate about, all the better. How does Jason Webb take his coffee? <laughs> I like, uh, I love little amps. I am, uh, I, li I like dark roast, little bit of cream. Okay, fair. It's a great question. Okay, very great, simple, short great, answer. Great. These are, this is going to be great. Okay. Keep them coming. Okay. Uh, boy, these are very personal. You guys must know him. Um, does Jason Webb want kid number five? With two, yeah. With two question marks. Okay, we, we have, have a, a no from a very important partner who has a say in this. It's true. Right. Yeah, we're not going to have a fifth so the, child. So the we, answer have, is, we have four kids. Yeah, so the answer is no, clearly. There's, the answer is no. Okay, you have four kids. I didn't know that. Didn't come up. That's a whole other story. But, these are very personal. Uh, um, this one says, how does Jason Webb sing? I do not sing. Okay, you don't want to give us a sample? No. Okay. No. <laughs> no. We okay. could take questions from the, the field. Yeah. <laughs> take to, to any legitimate questions out there. From the friend, yeah, okay. from the friend yeah. table. They're, they're, they're kind of... I'm they're no singer. Cool. Although I sing with two-year-olds when we're out there coaching. I was singing today. Okay. Okay, one that's actually relevant to this discussion. Okay. Um... <laughs> Do you believe that young children should play sports all year round? Hmm. So uh, let me answer that with this comment. So I was recently, we, we do something when we start a program at a new school. We go and demo the program and we get the kids, it's kind of a sales tactic. I mean, we get the kids going, we show them what soccer shots could be like, and then we do this fairly shameless tactic of like, showing them the registration form. And it's like, if you want to do soccer shots, give this to your parents. They have to pay. And I've always wrestled with that a little bit. And, and I just don't love, because I know not every kid wants to do it. I know not every kid can do it. And so what I always tell kids when I do that, I just say, listen, if you had fun and you think you want to do soccer shots and you can do soccer shots, take this home. you got to sign up. But more than that, my encouragement to you it's so important that you do something that exercises your heart. I always tell kids it's the most important muscle in their body. And it doesn't have to be soccer. If you like running on the playground, if you like a different sport, if you like dancing, I don't care what it is, find something that you love to do and do that every day. And so I don't think kids have to play sports. I don't think kids have to play 
soccer. It doesn't have to be a year-round thing. That whole thing, by the way, is pushed on kids too much, too early, all of that. I fight that with my own kids. I live it with my own kids because I'm their travel coach. And so that whole world is still unclear to me, undefined, and I don't know. But no, kids should do what they love to do. But I do think kids should get exercise. Okay, uh, question, uh, how does your business compete against, it's, I guess it's ASO, A-Y-S-O? A-Y-S-O. So I think it stands for, A-Y-S-O is American Youth Soccer Organization. I think their national headquarters are in California. They're on the West Coast. They've been around much longer than Soccer Shots. They were a, you know, they were a quasi-organized recreational soccer program all volunteer-led, I think, for the most part. They grew through kind of affiliates, not through franchises. Um, I, don't, I don't interact with them here, so I don't know them as well as maybe I should. I know that some of our California franchises talk about them more than we do here in central Pennsylvania. Um, I don't, my sense is they're not growing. I don't know that they're necessarily declining. I know they've had leadership change. And I don't know what your question was, but I can't speak to how, what's, how we compete with them locally. Maybe the one difference I'd point out is that we, our program goes into schools. We're a mobile program. I don't think they've ever done that. And our target is still probably a little younger than their target. Our program, which is for t- children 2 to 8, is over 90% 2 to 5. So of those 400,000, whatever that percentage is, 20, 200, 300, I don't know, 360,000 plus of them are ages two to five. And I would, I would think AYSO is more of a, my kid's ready to be on a team. Where's the local team? They might have under six rec soccer. It's a good question. It is a parent pay model. So the school does not most of the time, the school does not pay for the program. The school allows us to offer the program the families and children who want to participate are the ones who elect to register and pay. Now, our pricing model is relatively reasonable given what parents pay for karate or dance. It's kind of the, we've kind of put ourselves in that category of what is elective enrichment programming costs in central Pennsylvania, for example. Um, there's, there's way, so there's always a family who can't pay. We don't always know who that is. It's part of why when I do that thing, I'm sensitive to that because I could be at a seemingly affluent school, but not know the circumstances of each child. And so I'm always a little careful, always a little sensitive. Um, We do a couple of things to help with that. One is that if if we ever learn that there's a family that needs to be in soccer shots or certainly wants to be in soccer shots, but cannot afford it, we have a scholarship program that folks can apply for. And I can't think of a time that we would have said no. That, that's, that's not a nationwide policy, but our franchise system certainly acts and operates that way. The other thing that we've done is pretty interesting. In 2009, we started uh, a charitable arm of Soccer Shots. It's called the Soccer Shots Foundation, and it exists to provide funding for programs that run soccer and provide coaches in urban centers and other communities where kids otherwise wouldn't have a program like Soccer Shots. So locally, there's actually a partner of ours and a good friend of mine named J.T. Dorsey. 
He runs the J.T. Dorsey Foundation. Uh, J.T. Dorsey's program runs in some places where soccer shots probably wouldn't be successful. So he's running programs at the Camp Curtin YMCA down on 6th or 7th Street in Harrisburg. He runs programs in Mechanicsburg, but not where you'd think in Mechanicsburg. He's running programs in a little neighborhood called Cumberland Point, which is a essentially a 100% uh, refugee neighborhood kind of that was built uh, inside of Mechanicsburg. And so he's working with Somali families and Kenyan families and Ethiopian families. And, and none of these <coughs> programs that he runs are parent-paid or parent-funded. And so the Soccer Shots Foundation exists to support programs like his and others around the country. We've partnered nationally with the U.S. Soccer Foundation. They exist to do this, to do this very thing. And, and we've just realized... We take no shame in the fact that, you know, our, our program is a parent pay model. It does not work for everybody. Instead of going and competing with JT and what he's doing, let's leverage our resources and help him as much as we can. Thank you for listening in to the HYP podcast. Our next event will be in May with local designer Ama Johnson. You can learn more about this event series and others like our CEO Roundtable or annual home tour by heading to our website, hyp.org. Special thanks to our event sponsors, M&T Bank, Dixon University Center, Provisions, and Ann Culture. Also, thank you to Clark Stefanik for the recording and editing of this podcast. Until next time, keep building in the Berg.